Hey Shay, this is Minion from uh, Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. Just catching up with your um, Dungeon Masters, um, I forget the name, uh, number 34, the Dungeon Masters uh, Chronicles or whatever. Um, there's nothing negative there. I think you make raise lots of good points and uh, it's important to get these kind of things off your chest, you know. And uh, hopefully, I, I think anyway, that most of the people listening out there are... Um, uh, empathetic um, and uh, they're willing to listen to what people say and understand that what we say at the mo- get any given point isn't necessarily who we are so anyway thanks as always for putting stuff out cheers man look forward to talking to you more soon bye bye Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die Only the break shall come My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hey Che, it's John here from the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast, just listening to your GM Diary number 33, where you're talking about Han. Gotta admit, that sounds pretty cool. I've heard a few things about the campaign, and I've sort of seen a few bits and pieces over the years but I've never really sort of gotten into it. But it does sound very, very interesting. And also, I've got to admit, I'm considering picking up a copy of that Standing Stone book myself at some point. That does look super interesting. Uh, yeah, I hope your Dominwood game goes well, man. I'm lucky enough to have just got sort of scraped in it the last few seconds, like Indiana Jones picking up his hat in the Temple of Doom into the playtest. Probably going to be looking at doing a one-on-one game with my lovely wife, Hannah. She's gened up a Grimalkin character, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I think Dolman Wood's a really great setting, and I've been sort of using it a bit in my Midlands game, although I think the, the players are heading back to the Havenlands and Great London soon. It's another one of those games where... I'd really love to actually play in a session of someone running it. But in my immediate circle, I tend to be like the person who runs the OSR games. So I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. But as I say, I'm very much looking forward to running my one-on-one game with my wife. And likewise, I hope your Dolmenwood game continues to go from strength to strength. Enjoying the episodes, dude. Stay safe, stay well, and keep gaming. I'll catch you soon. Hey, Trey, listen to your last couple, well, last two-part Dungeon Master Diary. Always enjoy hearing your voice. Glad that the game on Saturday went well. Sorry that I missed it. Um, yeah, I don't know. You, you know, it's funny. You talk about wanting to explore new worlds, which I totally get. See, as a DM, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a definition thing. So to me, I explore as a player, but I create as a DM. So I, so I view them as separate activities, right? So for me, that exploration, the wonder of, of coming across surprising new things, I only ex- experience as a player, whereas the DM, I'm creating things. So maybe it's a mindset issue that I have. I don't know. 
is that something I should be approaching differently? Great call-ins there from Minion and John Large and Jason. Thank you, guys. Jason, I'm going to keep this brief because I'm really conscious of time in my diary episodes. I don't think it's anything you're doing wrong. I just think that for me, the way I approach written settings, the only way I can really rationalize delving into them as a GM is to go explore and see what it triggers for me. So to give you an example, I, I sat down yesterday, I was reading a particular city entry in Han, And as I've been going through, I've just been making notes in my notebook of the things that intrigued me or interested me, the hooks, if you like, into adventures, which are everywhere and which I could easily pick up. And by doing that, I keep myself motivated and moving forward and also creating within the setting, adding to the setting as I go along. That's just my two penneth on the topic. Thanks, mate. Oh my goodness, it's Thursday, May 7th, and I'm fairly sure I haven't recorded a single thing since the weekend. And uh, my apologies, really. It has been crazy busy. Um, As a teacher, I am involved in grading students for exams right now, so that is just a mentally taxing and incredibly intense experience. I can't say anything more. Suffice to say that by the time I finish in a day, I am currently brain dead. Um, and and then obviously spending my evenings with my wife, supporting her, and um, yeah, just crashing out. Not sleeping very well. Um, woke last night with a cough, and um, yeah, <laughs> you can imagine what that led to. A um, whole bunch of anxiety. So I've been very disciplined in my mind, and... Um, you know, I've been able to sort of apply a few stoic techniques actually to to sort of stop the very worst of the catastrophizing and fortune telling that my brain tries to do. But anyway, so on a personal level, kind of really ragged. And, and yet at the same time, there are some really exciting things going on with my gaming. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. So the exciting thing is that there are 10, count them, 10 players who have expressed interest, signed up for games in Webster's Hahn. Um, That is uh, astounding to me. And um, I am fairly sure that, you know, there's a part of my brain that goes, yeah, yeah, people will drop out. But um, it is just such a wonderful thing to think that 10 people on the basically sort of riding out on a rough idea of, hey, I've got this map and this cool stuff. Do you want to play a game? I've kind of gone, yeah. And um, that is uh, really cool. And so I thank all of those guys, all 10 of you, if you're listening, any of you. Um, Just thank you. So what's that been? Um, What's been going on? Well, so yeah, Han, I... uh, (laughs) I couldn't sleep the other night, so I... um, now, I need to rewind even further than that, don't I? So I think what I did is I put together one of my... What I've got in the habit of doing, something I learned from the Angry GM a long while ago, was to put together kind of gaming proposals that actually lay out the parameters of what you're offering. And not just in terms of, like, the game, but also in terms of, like, when you're playing um, and how often and all that kind of stuff. So I put out this thing. We've had some conversation on Discord. Because um, there's 10 players, I was like, well, how, I can't run 10 people. The best I can do is six at a table. I'm much happier with about four but six I can handle I suppose but 
so we we decided that we would create two tables of six seats that would run once a month. So I'm going to be running every other week, uh, every you know biweekly game twice a month. But actually, there'll be one game in one of those and another group in a different game. But they're going to be in the same world. So events that one group do can influence the other, although they're going to be groups going in different directions. So we've decided that one group, they're really interested in going into the wilderness. Um, there's a guy who wants to play a bachelor knight, a knight bachelor, sorry. Um, and uh, so we sort of, the, the rough idea is him and his retinue. I don't, I'm not massively keen on that idea in, in one sense because I don't like the idea of the concept for the group hinging around one player and one player character. You know, and although... Um, I think I can trust the player. It's still like if that player drops, the group rationale is in question. So I'm going to have to shore that up, um, I think. But th- that basic idea is reasonable. And a lot of characters have been drawn to that. Are kind of like, you know, people interested in woodsmen and scouts and guides and um, and all that kind of stuff. And that's been cool. And then the other group um, basically coalesced around a player who wanted to play a member of the Thespians Guild. And... Um, I was really racking my brain about how I could make that interesting. And then I just I re- realized that, you know, apprentices have to go and become journeymen. And I just made the suggestion, a kind of wild suggestion. It popped into my head one morning uh, while I was having a coffee, as so many ideas do. And I, just this idea of why don't we just have him on a journey? So he's going from one city where he's being involved as apprentice to another city, but a very long way away. And so the party will be formed around the idea of this group going from A to B. This is a bit more solid because it doesn't depend on just the thespian character. You know, it's actually a group who are traveling together, um, a group of traveling companions going from one place to another. And their ultimate goal is the same. But actually, they they can have various adventures along the way. And I thought that would be quite a good idea. So that will probably be a largely, I say with a big inverted commas, road-based travel, sort of foot foot road trip. Um, roads in Han being not very good so that's going to be you know journeying across the country is a big deal so it'll be interesting but that does mean I can I can kind of just slowly explore uh, you know the route and I don't have to go very far from that route so you know there's the idea of them kind of setting out a bit of a route and what I get to do is tempt, tempt them off the path constantly I think I think that's the way I'm going to like look at that as ways of tempting you off the path into different interesting adventures um, but ultimately aiming to get into the you know to uh, their destination now that kind of led me to thinking well what do I do I own m- materials from Columbia Games around Han and so I wanted to use what I've got I don't want to be a spending money on things I don't need if you know i can just so that whilst i'm very interested in very many areas and actually the one i got first is the kingdom of caldor and why in some respects that is the least interesting to me in some ways because it is a very typical feudal medieval setting sort of probably around about 9th to 13th century england um so that's it, there is a familiarity there, and that's that's kind of one of the things that draws me to it. That I kind of know enough about British history, English history, to know how that would be to some degree, you know. Um, and so um, I and I think if they're going into the wild and wilderness and they're traveling anyway, then there's plenty of opportunity for me to add fantasy elements. Now, also, what's interesting is Han is very low, very medieval, very low fantasy. There is magic in the world. There's a lot of magic in the world. If the GM chooses to invoke it but 
actually there can be none you know it is very much up to you as the game master to sort of decide where you want to set it and this is where my world building hat comes on because you know whilst i'm using the map and there are loads of materials for me to draw on that actually will probably provide me with a really good basis for everything i don't have to stick to any of it i can twist and change what i want and and that's interesting and allows me to be a world builder but with a framework so um, I'm not trying to do it all from scratch, which is, I always felt, it's what I wanted to do. It's the, it's the big dream that I've always had is to build your own world. Let's be honest, most of us probably have that feeling, but actually it is an enormous task. And I just, um, I felt like actually going into a world that exists, uh, you know, as maps and as notes and other things, and then going and playing in that sandbox um, and getting to make it your own is probably a really good starting point for me in terms of building a longer based campaign i i want to play for longer i want to you know i'm not saying this will be my my what my life's work but um it certainly is something i'd like to play for uh, months nay even maybe a year or two at least and just see what happens so this is going to be my online game you know i hope i think you know i can really hold this together the players will stay with me and it will be cool so yeah, uh, that's where we're up to. Now, I said that I'd done this document to sort of propose the game and uh, in there I'd made a few decisions, but um, I was rushing at it because, you know, th- the truth is that the players are keen and, and, and I feel like you have to sort of strike while the iron's hot. Um, so I wanted to get something out there and then I was pushing to, I want to use, um, I'm, I'm, the game rules are GURPS and one of the things I want to use to help them is templates. Uh, it helps me to sort of give flavour to the world. Templates are basically collections of kind of pre-built elements for your character that you can then select and choose and it, it makes the process of character creation faster and simpler but also means that it's kind of coherent. You know, you actually have it's not quite fully a class as you would have in sort of D and D, which completely defines everything and gives you relatively few choices. Um, but actually does kind of make sure you cover the bases and you have an effective, um, you know, effective character for the profession that you're looking for. And at the same time, lots of wiggle room. Now I've opted actually, um, I was, I was actually really, I was going to use the historical folks, uh, fourth edition, supplement to sort of build my own templates that was where i was going so there's this free thing out there you can get i can't remember where called historical folks and um i was going to use those templates and then kind of just kind of harnify them a bit and customize them but i came under such intense pressure to kind of like one guy actually uh created a character and sent it to me without a template and said well you know I can't be bothered to wait kind of effectively. It's what you communicated anyway. So you know, here's my code. And I was really frustrated by that. But actually what it, what it made me realize is, you know, and again, applying a stoic principle here, um, actually this isn't a problem, is it? So they're keen. Um, so I gave them the historical folks document and said, right, you've got 50 character points, 25 points of disadvantages, five points of quirks. That's the limits. Set various limits around um, attributes and skills, and um, it's all you know, advantages and disadvantages are all mundane, nothing at all supernatural or weird um, without my say so. Uh, go build your character, you know, use the historic, you must use a template from historical folks, but other than that, you've got points. Now, most of those templates are 25 points, so there's a lot of wiggle room. You know, they've got 50 points to play with, and half of them are taken up by a template, and they can wiggle around it. And um, do you know what? They seem quite happy with that. And that just immediately took all the pressure off me. You know, like I, I can just say to them, right, go away, build your characters. And of course they will be, you know, because 
the way I, I want to run things is that they're going to go away, but the character they're going to bring it to me and we're going to discuss that character and I get to veto, you know, Ashley, go go enjoy yourselves, guy, go build something. So um, the Keen's Mustard guys uh, have started. The less, uh, you know, the more busy as the guys who are going to take a little bit more time over all the more cautious guys because, you know, you have all sorts of personalities here. They're all taking their time building it and then we've got a month, a minimum of a month to play. So that's fine. And I felt good about that. Um, and so having kind of like thrown my toys out of the pram earlier in the week with frustration, um, I was actually, when I sat and thought about it and applied, again, a stoic principle, um, I was able to just turn the problem into the solution, which was actually give your players the space. You know, it's like trust your players, isn't it, ultimately? And um, that's what I did. So I feel like I've witted for far too long. Um, but that's where I'm up to. So as of this morning, the only thing that is troubling me is that one of my very keen players is all already played in Han, and this is the nightmare search scenario for me because the other guys are all kind of pretty well. There's a couple of guys who have played in Han, and but most of them haven't, and that means they don't have any preconceptions, you know, or many preconceptions. But the two guys who've played, I think there's two, maybe even more, but certainly two guys, um, they have preconceptions, and this is where the anxiety comes in, the whole kind of like canon anxiety thing. And I've just made it really clear: this is my Han. And I, I am drawing heavily on those resources, but nothing is set down. So um, I think those guys get that, and um, that you know, fingers crossed, that will be a call. I think as well, though, one of the problems is that, um, and please, guys, if you're listening to this, don't take this the wrong way. But there's a lot of recommendation. Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'll come from this place because this document here exists that tells you about that. Or hey, here's this conversion document from like harm master to GURPS that you could look at. And it's like the more resources they throw at me, the more overwhelmed I become. So uh, whilst that is well-meaning and um, in many ways helpful, it points me and makes me aware that things are out there. Uh, on the other hand, you can kind of get this overwhelm. And so I'm going to distribute right back to basics. And I'm coming back to uh, Chicago Wizards advice, which is, you know, pick a location, put two or three kind of things out there and start. And uh, we'll just start simple and build it up. Um, so I'm just going to hold it together, keep positive. Um, and, yeah, on that note, I'm going to shut up. Game on. Hey, up, Shay. Shandy Andy here. Just listen to your latest DM's journal. Uh, very enlightening, as it always is. And uh, you know I enjoy them. Um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, play the game that you want to play, Shay. Don't, you know... On Friday nights, I'm more than happy to play the game that you want to play. Um, you're the GM. Um, you know, if you want to do Star Trek, Traveller, GURPS, whatever. Even 5e, maybe. <laughs> Might draw the line at my little bony uh, RPG. But you get my gist. Um, you know, I'm happy to sit down with Ian and uh, Dave, if need be, and uh, have a chat and let's... Decide what system it is, because, you know, as the GM, I, I, I certainly think that you, you've got to be the one who picks the system. And, of course, when I say system, I, I mean uh, setting as well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm using that term in a generic way that perhaps I shouldn't. But you know what I mean? I, I like you, like uh, exploring worlds, and I'm more than happy to try a new one. Um, you know, uh, certainly Han... Is one that's always interested me. Um, 
And that's one of the reasons why I run in the Wilderlands and in Glorantha. I think those are two of the best worlds ever written. And I want to explore more of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, well, I think just to reiterate, you know, Friday nights, if you want to change it from the current OSE uh, Dolman Wood, that's fine by me. Um, you know, let's find something that we all want to plow on with. Hey, Jason here, calling you about your design diary number one. Very interesting stuff. Enjoyed hearing it. You, you know, you talk about zoom in, zoom out. I've talked about zooming in and zooming out of combat in my podcast. Arlen Walker's talked about it on his. I, I think there's definitely something to that, that sometimes you want that gritty battle map and sometimes you want to kind of get past the encounter to move on, right? You, you don't want that initial encounter with the spiders to take all session. But that big fight with the golem and the zombies, you want to, you know, zoom in on, right? So I think there's something there. I also think players often fall in that tactical mode of, of using their characters as pawns. And players very much play combats as tactical. But then some players get angry when the GM does the same thing. It's kind of a double standard, isn't it? It's kind of unfair. If the player is going to play every combat as tactical, how come they get angry at the GM when he does it or she does it? Two more excellent call-ins. Thank you, Shandy, Andy, and Jason. And um, Andy, it, yeah, great. If Ian's in agreement, cool. We're going to play through this fifth-level adventure of Dominwood. Um, but after that, yeah, I'm open. I, I kind of part of me just wants to do some sci-fi on the side. But hey, yeah, we could go to Han too. Jason, you make a really good point. Um, combat, yes, you absolutely uh, point out a lovely dichotomy. And I think, again, it comes back to in an instance of play, how our purpose in that moment changes. So often we are in a, a kind of, you know, enjoying the fantasy together, creating the fantasy together kind of mindset, and we're just tootling along. And then we get into a combat, and I think there are many players. I'm definitely one of them. I think uh, I'm gaming with a lot of them who actually love that step-on-up thing, that they actually like that challenge. Um, but often, of course, GMs don't actually deliver on that. They They remain in this, you know... Um, either they remain in a kind of uh, you know creating the world together kind of frame of mind and they're not actually interested in the challenge aspect of the of the battle or of course they come from the um, more narrative approach anyway where actually the, the combat is not important to the story so they aren't again bothered about the challenge aspect um, now, I am a very much a player who loves challenge and a GM who loves challenge. So I'm going to step on up. And if you, especially if it's a major fight, um, I'm going to want to do that. And yeah, I just kind of have to get over it if you're uh, playing with me. But I think it's completely valid. I think in that instance of play, as you go into that combat, absolutely, it should be a, um, a moment, an opportunity for a, a good challenge. And if the GM's kind of clever and the uh, role-playing the monsters is clever, if that's appropriate, then then so be it. Of course, you know, GM has to role-play the monsters appropriately. But um, with that caveat, I would say, yeah, come on, step on up. Oh, I know Jason Hobbs hates these, but um, I just got a parcel, so quickly going to find out what this is. Um, it's from America. Uh, it says, Far Future Enterprises. So that's going to be something Traveller-esque, I'm guessing. Um, it's a thin envelope, so here we go. What have we got? All right, it's some kind of zini thing. Oh, wow. Those are bits in there. Okay. So, 
Traveller bonus, a pre-generated crew for your Beowulf Class 3 trader. It's like a little envelope with that label on, and it feels like cards inside. Ooh, this is kind of exciting. Um, yeah, I'm going to open that right up, actually. That's going to rip the label, but never mind. It has a picture of a Beowulf trader on it, and it's kind of, like, really cool, but pre-generated crew. Uh, can't open it. There's a part of me that wants to just leave it, you know, as a collectible and unopened, but, you know, then there's another part of me that wants to play with things. Okay, oh, wow, okay, so I've got these little cards. These are, like, awesome. They're, um... Yeah, they're, they're in the style of the Traveller 5 uh, item deck things, but they're really, really cool. We've got um, Free Trader Ithaca, um, sort of a, a picture, uh, which is the picture on the label, and... Um, just kind of a quick description, a visual card of that. And then, basically, uh, various Traders Guild member cards, which are, um, you've got a unique identifier number on them, which is really interesting. And then a kind of quick description. So, Space Hand, you know, says on here, Synth. And it, I've stamped across the front of it, and it's got like kind of, Guard 824 Synthetic 888600. Fighter 7, Slug 2, Unarm 2, Chef 1. So essentially, his background is a space ha a hand. He's a guard. This is his designation. Um, he's got those two. He's got those basically three skills. Cool. Um, and there's others. There's uh, fourth officer J Kagash La. There's third officer Stans Kwekshadaf. Very hard to pronounce that. Uh, Eneri Drive Master Dinsha. Eneri Dinsha. Woohoo! There's a blast from the old classic traveller cannon. Uh, Rhiannon Conway. And Antonin Pavek. Oh, that's just awesome. Just a little bonus thing in the package. Love it. Got a, uh, a flyer for Travel 5th Edition. Yeah, this is one of those things I am definitely going to have to get back to playing with, is 5th Edition. Because I actually really I was enjoying, enjoying reading Travel 5th Edition, the new issue of it, the three books. And um, I actually think it's um, it might be a game I can, I can use. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's so cool. So there's like a advert basically for the various elements and things that are available, which is all cool. Um, I think all of it I own. Um, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Um, I've been sent Striker. Um, Mark Miller has sent me Striker. Um, rules for fifteen mill millimeter traveler miniatures um, by Frank Chadwick. So it's sort of the original miniature rule set um, I've got here. I've got rule book one, two, and three in little black book for format, um, which I did did not own. <laughs> um, I have these kind of reprints um, in the big floppy books, but I don't have, oh my. And they are pristine. I mean, absolutely like. So if you don't know Striker, it's rules 15 millimeter travelable miniature warfare, and um, it's exactly. Oh gosh, it's um, a few months ago I, I bought some miniatures at 15 mil because I wanted to do tabletop miniature wargaming with classic kind of traveller feel. And I've just been sent the rules to do that from Striker, which I've actually honestly never read or played. So here we go. And I've also got a design sequence table, a photocopy essentially um, stapled together of uh, the design sequence tables from Striker and also the reference charts, um, useful tables booklet. Wow, thanks, Mark. Game on. Friday morning, and uh, it's uh, officially a bank holiday in the UK for Victory Europe Day. 
75th anniversary. I got up this early this morning and I've taken the time to actually do a little bit of work on the Han campaign, um, or should I say the campaigns, no it's one campaign world isn't it, and one campaign with multiple groups. Um, so yeah, I updated my guidance document this morning about four times uh, to version 3.2 I think up to now. Um, and that's been quite good actually, just to get my head around a few things. And uh, yeah, I feel like I managed to clarify a few sort of points for character creation, which is really, really important stuff like, you know, sort of default languages and cultural familiarities and uh, how money works and, you know, that sort of stuff really, how status works. There's a bit of guidance there, it's sort of, the intersection between setting and rules. So, you know, that's a cool thing. Um, other than that, I've uh, just been sort of fiddling around with Fantasy Grounds a little bit this morning. Fantasy Grounds Unity is in beta right now, and I have, I, I backed that. So I've got a copy of that, and I've just been importing a couple of maps and fiddling around, really. It's pretty good. We've also discovered that we can import from GURPS character sheet into Fantasy Grounds Unity. Um, we know pretty well so characters should be able to be created in GURPS character sheet that bit of software and then export as an XML file and import it into Fantasy Grounds which is going to save a lot of time and I can do that with NPCs as well so that means I can create an NPC um, and then import the stats for that you know very very simply so that really allows me to customize all of my monsters all of my NPCs you know I can I can actually literally create um, a full character sort of details for everybody if I wanted to so pretty easy to do that um yeah so really pleased what i need to do now is get a cup of coffee um and then i'm gonna actually start thinking about tonight's Dominwood game i'm not sure we're going to get to play tonight a lot depends on um andy's situation um and also depends on whether i can actually get this stuff done we're starting a new adventure and i had zero time to prep it and read it so first thing i'm going to do is go read the adventure here we go Sort of late Saturday morning, about uh, 9.30, back from a walk with Deb. And R.I.P. Rapscallion, the Woodgrew, uh, played by Shandy Andy last night in Dolman Wood. Good session. Uh, we took um, four characters at, uh, into the um, weirdness that befell Drig Bolton um, scenario by Necrotic Gnome. She's about three years old now, I suppose. I've never played it. Um, it I would sort of, hmm, whimsically Lovecraftian uh, with a, a tint and hint of 50s B-movie, I think. Um, a mystery to solve. And the guys are partway through it. They've um, perhaps a third or so of the way, I guess, uh, into the into the tale. But it's good, a good adventure. Um, took two fifth-level and two third-level characters. We're playtesting. Gavin Norman's Dolmenwood stuff, so we're trying out uh, what have we got? We've got an elf, um, and we've got a, as I said, we had a woodgrew. We also have a moss dwarf. Oh, a uh, grimalkin as well, yeah. So um, all good, exciting stuff, and a really pleasant session. It was only two, two and a half hours or so online because I think we we're just all so tired and attention spans are shorter, but there we go, it was good. Um, but yeah, poor Rapscallion fell in battle to a tangled lot of wandering roots, uh, crawling, creeping, crawling, imagine kind of tree roots that are animated and moving around in bundles with the tentacly rooty bits everywhere, kind of making head headlong for 
the characters, I can't say why, but they were drawn to them. Um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of kind of difficult for, um, I think, uh, Andy in some ways. He enjoying playing a character, some really good shenanigans in the evening. Um, and he just actually had the Woodgrew carve his name into the chalk cliffs where they were trapped. Um, and uh, they buried him at the foot of his own name on the chalk. So there you go. Don't tell me that role-playing can't lead to some poignant moments. In other news, um, two players have already bailed out of Harn, so we're down to eight players, um, which is still good, just to be honest. But um, I was a little surprised to hear that um, apparently my game is too serious. Um, which is something you'll hear more about uh, in the Jason Hobbs interview that's coming up. I think probably the next episode on Saturday, uh, we'll, I'll put out the Jason Hobbs interview and that's exactly the topic that Hobbs and I were talking about, um, being accused of being too serious in our gaming. So that's uh, timely. Um, but yeah, it's sort of it's, it's sad in a way to lose players, but if you're not interested, then that is good. You know, I think it. I think the worst thing you can do is try and play in a game that you don't really want to play in. So um, you know, I've done enough of that as a GM trying to run a game I don't really want to run, so I know how bad that can feel. Um, and I'm happy. I'm going to spend um, a goodly part of today reading. I've got uh, a lot of material uh, to, to just want to enjoy reading. I, I, and that's the thing, it's really pleasant. It's not like a chore. Sometimes when I'm prepping for games, it just feels like a chore. But this is just joy. I'm just diving into a fantasy world and, and learning about it, which is great. So that's what I'm going to do. Have yourselves a good week ahead. Game on. <laughs>